What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. I am making my illustrious return from Sin City in West Texas. Two vastly different experiences for myself. And uh, yeah, definitely vastly different experiences as far as uh, the evenings were concerned. Eric Henry, FIUP writer, SB Nation Underdog Dynasty. Full house tonight. Shane Marinelli, Owls247, our FIU superfan, Mr. David Handel. We are going to jump right into things. I know it has been a bit of a whirlwind of a sports weekend in terms of a football weekend in South Florida. And once again, thank you to the fine folks at Five Reasons Sports. You're home for South Florida sports news on this one. But yeah, uh, David's, uh, what's his screen name here is Sad Sports Fan because uh, the Dolphins certainly had a rough Sunday and FIU had a rough Saturday. We're going to start with the Panthers because quite frankly, the Owls deserve a little bit of love as far as finishing up the show. Uh, David, you know, I want to go ahead and jump right into things. Just give me your thoughts on uh, a loss for FIU 54 to 21. And, you know, quite frankly, it's it's disappointing given the way the game started out. But in the second quarter, things just really got away from FIU. So before I kind of give my rundown play by play from Lubbock and Jones AT&T Stadium, just curious your thoughts. Yeah, Eric, I mean, if, if we wanted to have an entertaining conversation, we would be talking about your Vegas trip. But here we are talking about a 54, what was it, 54-21, I think? Yes. Um, I mean, listen, actually on our last episode, I said if FIU wanted to have any chance in this game, they, they needed to come out hot and kind of smack Texas Tech in the mouth. And they actually surprisingly did that. Uh, they came out hot in the first quarter. Um, defense made a few stops. I mean, our offense scored pretty quickly on that first drive. And then we had a costly pick six. And then we had, you know, a missed field goal. And then after that missed field goal, it really went downhill for FIU. Um, we couldn't get anything going. It And our defense, you know, wasn't able to make <laughs> as many, you know, stops as they were doing in the beginning. And, and like you said, the second quarter really got out of hand. Because even if you go into the second half, I mean, it was, it was a 7-7 third quarter. But, you know, when you're overcoming a 28-7 second quarter, that's always going to be tough, especially against a P5 opponent. Um, you know, I, it, it's tough because, I, I, I mean, this loss doesn't hurt as much as, like, the Texas State loss, especially when you find out Texas State loses to Incarnate World. But um, it, it was still, like, you, you'd think, like, you, you hire Butch Davis and, you're, and he's in his fifth year and you're, you're still losing – 54 to 21 to you know mid to to I'd, I'd give them a mid p5 level team not saying that works you know i'm expecting to come in and, and, and be p5 teams on the regular no but at least make it a, a bit more competitive um and it just really showed the difference in you know that in p5 players i guess because they kind of ran away with this one um Devontae price wasn't able to really get going uh max you know, had a hot start, but really couldn't do anything uh, toward the, the end of the game. And what, definitely not a win. It wasn't a pretty game, but, you know, we, we, I guess we, we move on. And, and my, I, I, I'm, I'm numb. I, Shane asked me, are you not numb to this anymore? And I, and I think the numbness is starting to come back. David, really quick, before I toss it to Shane, uh, let me ask you this. Anything in particular you want to know from the stadium? Uh, you know, as far as 
any of the play calls and any questions, you know, I, I can try to answer those things before I kind of toss to Shane and then kind of give my two cents. Anything from the stadium you want to know? Like, you mean from like the, the game or like the actual <laughs> stadium? No, 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 sorry. From, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. The, talk, the talk to me about the landscape of, of, of Texas. Did, did, um, did they throw tortillas in the stadium? Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. Oh, they did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's um, a tradition there. That's, that is a tradition. No, David, I, I was using stadium as a colloquialism. Uh, it, it, oh, you know, I, I guess I guess here's kind of, you know, where I'll jump in. Um, so I'll, I'll jump in and I'll toss it to you, Shane. I asked Butch Davis post game. Here's kind of just my uh, quick notes here. You know, how crucial was that that pick six? Right. And he talked when I asked him about the play of the quarterback. He said it was OK. I thought and, and kind of, you know, in traditional Butch Davis kind of coachism said, you know, I thought Max did some good things, but obviously he had some throws that you'd like to have back and whatnot. And Max Bortenschlager was transparent. He talked about the pick six, David, to Revaldo Fairweather. He, he said that he thought Fairweather had a step on him and, you know, he uh, probably should have let him a little more high and a little more out, but that, that's a, a read that he's got to make better. And listen, I'm not saying that FIU wins that game, but I definitely think it's a momentum shift. Butch Davis spoke about the way that Texas Tech was able to call plays um, you know, in terms of the seven point swing there. And that's a fair point. If you go up 14 zero, Texas Tech is on the ropes in a way that, you know, especially coming off a game that they won by what, three points or five points against Stephen F. Austin. Maybe that does change the way that Texas Tech does some things, right? You know, and they were able to respond. FIU was able to hang in there and take some punches. You get the EJ Wilson 69 yard uh, touchdown on the swing pass that Borden Schlager mentioned, you know, uh, the, the, on that play, he was hot. For fans who may not know what hot means, means there's a free blitzer he was responsible for. So Borton Schlager accounted for that and, you know, hit uh, EJ Wilson on the swing pass for the TD. So they, they were able to take some punches, but it really was just that second quarter in which you give up four straight touchdowns. And David, how infuriating was this? I, I'm just curious your perspective on this, and then I'll toss it to Shane for his thoughts. You got that drive there where the 12 men on the field, I saw a lot of FIU fans tweet about that. I asked Butch Davis post game, and he just said that, you know, hey, was this a mental miscue from some of the guys in terms of, getting communication on and off the field, but that they stopped them. You know, they, they forced the, the three and out and, and would have held them to a field goal. But instead you, you give them a free first down, they cash in with seven, right? there right before halftime. How frustrating was that to watch David? Extremely frustrating. I mean, it's just, uh, you can just add it to the list of, of ways, you know, I'm not going to say we, we beat ourselves the entire game. Cause you know, obviously the score would tell me otherwise, but it's just little things like that, that we continue to do. I mean, especially these last two weeks, where we just continue to beat ourselves. I mean, like stupid penalties like that, you know, obviously missed field goals, huge pick six, just not being able to hold on to the ball. Like, look, all those things end up, you know, mattering at the end. They, they can matter. Those little things pile up. And it just, you know, it's, it's lack of discipline at this point. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, so, it's so frustrating, um, you know, and, and, and it could have, you know, who, who knows? It could have been a huge turning point. But, yes, Eric, it was extremely. Extremely, extremely frustrating. If FIU even, let's say, loses that one 41-28, I mean, that's momentum you can carry. A couple more drives go your way. Uh, I can't tell you how important those things are in those games. I mean, just look at FIU's kind of money game this year against Florida, which now, I mean, they look ultra competitive in after you've seen Florida go against Bama. They came out that second half and went kind of toe-to-toe and put a couple touchdown drives together. and was able to move the ball for most of the game and it's obviously carried momentum into the next two games right uh so those things are just so important uh 
I will, you know, at least FIU was able to move the ball without price. You know, obviously Texas Tech's run defense is pretty good this year. So they were able to show they were able to move the ball without him, which is a good sign moving forward. Uh, but man, yeah, I, I think they makes a good point. You know, Texas, we're talking about Texas Tech here, not in Lubbock is definitely a tough place to go play. Uh, it, you know, it's a long trip, but you know, they, they didn't play. It wasn't UAB versus Georgia. So, you know, I, I wouldn't take too much away from the game. You know, if you, again, if you, you beat Texas state, this loss, you know, the way you played stinks way less. Uh, so uh, we'll see going forward, but obviously this week, I, you got to say must win, right? No, uh, watching you know, David, I want your thoughts on that before I opine. Go ahead. Um, absolutely must win. I'm actually shocked. Um, not that we're underdogs. I expect to be underdogs, but 10 and a half point underdogs kind of shocked me a bit. Um, you know that, <laughs> um, but I, I think it's, it's, as close to a must win. I mean, I don't, I don't know why you, at this point you wouldn't, cause we got FAU, the, I mean, you know, obviously FAU would be considered the must win, but you need some sort of momentum going to the school bowl. Like, like central, like central Michigan isn't, isn't like a powerhouse or anything. I, I get it. They're, they're probably better than us right now, but like, those are the type of games you need to win. Like this, that's, those are the type of games that you expect a butch led team to win. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm going to say it's a must win. And I think, you know, it. we need to build that momentum going into the Shoe Bowl. You cannot go into FAU 1-3. and three. It's, exactly. the point yeah. that, it's the point that I've been making from the time the schedule came out when we saw that FIU would open conference play against FAU. This is absolutely a must-win game. David, these were the two quick questions I had for you before we transition to FAU. One, what are your thoughts from the fans' perspective uh, play, thoughts on the play of Max Bortenschlager? I know that... He had an excellent week one, week two, obviously, you know, had some throws that he'd like to have back. I think I miscredited that open receiver at the end of the Texas State games, Rivaldo Fairweather. It actually was. My eyes were correct. It was Camarion Williams uh, who was wide open down there in regulation. And then, of course, you know, the way the game ended. And then this past week, again, you know, how much stock can you put into Texas Tech, a, a power five opponent, but obviously didn't play best football two weeks in a row. Thoughts on the quarterback situation so far? My thoughts are fan. Yeah, thoughts. David, 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 you. Uh, listen, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I'm, Max isn't like playing terrible. Um, I mean, he's had he's shown moments of of you know not I wouldn't say greatness, but he's been playing well for the most part. Even on Texas State, those missed passes. I mean, he was still making some really good throws, and 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 you know he he looks definitely way more comfortable than he did last year. Um, I think it's definitely an upgrade at quarterback from last year. And, you know, he, he, he's not necessarily, he's not, he's not the reason we're losing games, right? He, you know, he's, he's, I guess he can consider sometimes one of the reasons, but overall he's not playing too bad, but man, he, I think this is a big game for him um, because if not at this point, bring in Grayson James, get him some reps and see if he's the future because, I mean, while Max isn't playing terrible, he's not. He's also not playing, you know, out of this world or even, you know, great. So, I don't know. It, it's it's almost just like meh. Like he's like, he's like he, he shows flashes of, of of you know, he can be you know a great guy this year, 
But then he also makes certain decisions that you really question why he's even in the game. So it's just like he's just average, I guess, would be my answer. David, this is my last one for you. What are your thoughts on the defense overall? I, I know I'm maybe a little more optimistic than some people have, but you look at the Texas State game, and they certainly played well enough to win. But I think in specificity, what's impressed me a lot is there seems to be a more of an attacking mindset under Everett Withers. And listen, I know there was you know some fan chatter about, oh, why is Pierce Withers in the lineup? And I don't want to say that's all fans. I, I just saw a handful of fans say, why is Pierce Withers in the lineup as the star? But He's made plays even before that game was a three touchdown lead. Pierce Withers was making plays. So uh, thoughts on the defense? Yeah, to be honest with you, like it, it's it's funny. Like I'm like you're gonna be like, oh, um, you know, how can you say the defense is playing? You know, has been playing well so far, and they're one and two, and they just lost fifty four points. Uh, it's not that I'm saying the defense is like playing great or anything, but I think the defense is vast improved. Like I feel like this, de- the, especially like Texas Tech, uh, Texas State. That that was pro- I was saying on the last episode. I think that was probably the one of the best games the defense has played since probably the Miami game, right? The best that I've at least seen the FIU defense play. And you know, even in the beginning of this Texas Tech game, they they were showing flashes and they were be- making big stops against Texas Tech. It just you know it, it became a bit much, um, especially later <laughs> as the game went on. But I I definitely think it's it's an improved defense. Um, I definitely think Withers, you know, his his stamp is there and, and it. And, you know, it, I think, once again, this, is, this Central Michigan game is going to be a big fact, like, factor going forward. And, and let's see how they can bounce back from allowing 54 points. But, I, oh, honestly, the defense isn't even the problem. Like, I, I actually think the defense has completely outplayed the offense in the first three games of the season. So, uh, I, you know, not that I'm saying they're great or anything, but I think they're vast, vastly improved. No, I mean, like I said, I, that's why I want to run that question by you because I think that's a point that can't go uh, understated. If, if FIU is going to be able to turn things around starting this week, I think it's going to take a solid defensive performance from Ever Withers' group to really kind of get things going. But let's transition up to a team that looked much better. They are 2-1. and one. Of course, as Shane mentioned, their only loss of the year in Gainesville against the Florida Gators, and that loss looks better and better by each week with uh, the way that the Gators are playing. 45-14 win for FAU. I think the big takeaways here for me is I've had a chance to watch half of that game, haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing yet, but my big takeaways, one, FAU has a quarterback. Nikosi Perry, he's going to make the plays, and yes, this is Fordham, I get it, You know, not necessarily the greatest opponent, but he, it just, Shane, and I'm definitely curious your thoughts on this um, after I kind of give my synopsis. He just looks, in terms of a sheer ability at the quarterback position, to be the best player they've had since Chris Robinson. I know that's not saying much, but it's just night and day compared to, you know, maybe some of the question marks you had prior. Second takeaway, can this running back room get any damn deeper? Again, I know it's Fordham, but Johnny Ford misses the game. I believe it's a shoulder, if memory serves me correct, uh, Shane. And then, you know, you get Kelvin Dean steps in for nine carries for 41 yards. It's just it doesn't matter who it is. They managed to get productivity out of that running back position. We'll see what happens. I, I speculated about this on the Conference USA podcast that, you know, you can do that against Fordham. Uh, what happens when you're playing Marshall and, and you know, you got to limit that rotation to maybe two backs? I don't know. Again, I'll let Shane opine on that. And last but not least, you know, Shane brought this point up to me, and I, and I really have to go ahead and make a point now to say it here on the podcast first because uh, if in a few more weeks he's definitely going to be a guy that I spotlight on my three things we learn in Conference USA. TJ Young, Shane, when you look at his numbers through uh, you know three games here, uh, forgive me, I don't want to you know um, <laughs> inflame the uh, the ire 
of FAU fans for drawing this and making this analogy here, but TJ Young's really poised to kind of have that Reed Blankenship-esque season, but the difference is he'll have it on a team that has a much better defense and is a much better team overall. 21 tackles and two interceptions with the pick six through three games here. Um, you know, he's gone track for, you know, 60, 65 tackles, which, you know, he's not going to get the 80, 90 tackles that Reed Blankenship racks up because, quite frankly, FAU's defense won't have guys running in the second and third level, ideally, as much as Middle Tennessee's does. And, Shane, I don't think I'm going to, you know, betray your trust here by saying this. You said that uh, TJ Young should be a, a first or second team all-conference performer. We'll see what happens because when you look at the numbers, Greg Great and Reed Blankenship are ahead of him on tackles. With Naze Johnson's there as well, but TJ Young's going to do it on a much better defense. So that's kind of my third takeaway. And then uh, I have another one, but I definitely want to let Shane jump in here. So uh, Shane, take it away. What do you have from uh, FAU Stadium? Yeah, man. Let's just start to Kosey Perry. That's more than we could have expected when we got here, right? Like I think some of the you know we talked even when we did the QB Spotlight podcast, it was like, hey, you know, FAU's going to have a pretty veteran offensive line, a, a solid group of receivers and, you know, a really deep running back room and a good defense. He's just got to kind of be, I guess, you know, maybe a step above a game manager, right. You know, maybe win a game or two if they need it, but he's slinging the ball over, um, you know, yeah. FAU played a little sloppy in that game. You know, they, they had Wester had the one true muff punt and then another one that was kind of controversial up uh, that the ref claimed FAU had a guy pushed into him, uh, there's a couple Jacoby should have had four touchdowns the other night easily. Eric, uh, some of those drops were pretty egregious, uh, especially the Marcus Adams one and uh, Burton had one. And so yeah, they've each made big catches this year. So I, you know, I expect them to turn around. And you know, I will say this though: you, you made a good point on the running back room being a little too deep sometimes. It, it's it's easy to get scatterbrained with the running back. You know, I think I was saying in the beginning of the game, it's like. Today's the perfect day just to give Larry 25 carries. And it almost seems like, I, I don't know, maybe the timing on it, it seems like it took him a quarter and a half to be like, okay, let's just start giving Larry the ball. And he's just going to, because he's guaranteed four yards. Uh, so, yeah. And and I, honestly, when you talk about Kelvin Dean, I think his running style kind of fits the offense. You know, after he's doing a lot of eye formation, kind of lead zone type plays. And he's kind of a, hit the hole hard, cut once and go. Uh, you know, I, I compared it to like that, that old, you know, the Shanahan style of running backs, you know, uh, the, the zone blocking where the guy just cuts and goes. Would you, would you say that's kind of a safe comparison? Dean kind of fits that mold. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I was just thinking about there because it's, it's interesting you say that because I hadn't thought of it that way, but I can't push back on that, Shane, in specificity because of the way that they're running out of the eye, right? It kind of lends to – and it's funny because that's something you typically think out of, out of a single back formation, that, that zone blocking scheme where you kind of you know slide, so to speak. But no, I mean, I, I think FAU, that's actually a really good analogy on your part. So, yeah, I, I would agree. At, at least you know, having watched all of the Florida game, a half of the Georgia Southern game, and now a half of the Fordham game, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, and – and Tiger says press conference today, and this has been kind of known. Dean Dean is extraordinarily talented. Uh, his biggest problem his first couple of years, he was a, just a quick Kelvin Dean, and as we're always talking about FB running backs here, uh, is he, he actually came into the 2019 year, and FB was pretty banged up at running back at the beginning there, and this is before Malcolm Davidson kind of emerged as well. Um, 
as someone who was going to play a lot. And then he had a bad fumble that was returned for a, a, a touchdown. And he kind of got in the doghouse his freshman year. And, you know, last year was kind of obviously with COVID in a deep backfield. So his issue has been, he's had the fumbles sometimes, and that's what's kind of held him out of games, but he has some sort of running ability. And yeah, it's, I, but again, I will say, you know, I, I do think running is a rhythm. I think it hurts guys like Malcolm Davidson, who's, you know, Malcolm Davidson's kind of one of those one cut and go guys too. And they can't really, you start to feel the speed of the game. And then all of a sudden it, it, you get loose and that's when those big runs start to come. And it seems like they haven't really got a guy in that rhythm yet. Shane, and, my next point that I want to come to is if, Lejante Wester starts to come into his own and gives FAU another threat. I just think that you look out because, again, especially when you're getting that kind of play from Nikosi Perry, the only nitpick I have is, and again, I haven't seen the full game yet. I'm just looking at the box score here. I've seen a half of it um, from uh, um, ESPN Plus, but hang on to the football. You know, you don't like the two fumbles, but outside of that, I Lejante Wester, he's a guy that, Shane, again, you put me on and, and said, hey, you know, kind of keep an eye on him. And then I did throughout the offseason, I've kind of you know, had a, a, him as kind of a, a breakout player in CUSA, but that's someone who I definitely am impressed with. And just, you know, again, the way FAU looks, if I had to nitpick one thing, and I, I, Shane, I will toss it back to you with this, do the slow starts bother you at all offensively? I mean, the defense is there. They're there from, you know, the opening kick. But do the slow starts offensively kind of worry you a bit, or is that just a matter of, you know, they'll find the rhythm? Yeah, they do. They do bother me. And it's, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's their, it's self-inflicted. It's not like the offense is incompetent, you know, like they, they should have had two 60 plus yard um, bombs in the first, you know, in the first quarter the other day, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, or just little things they can't get going. You know, as well as I do, it's just when, especially this week, I'm going to make this point all week. You when you play Air Force on the road, you're not going to have you're going to have probably seven possessions. You can't waste three of them in the first half. Going ah, we just can't get it together. So what's going to happen? You're not going to get it together, and you're not going to get the ball back for eight minutes. And so you know that, that's kind of the tough thing there. So I think they have to get it going. As as David Hondel said, FAU second half has been his blood money so far this year <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's an absolute lock i mean it's it's fau is is the worst first half team i've ever seen or the, the best second half team i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah they just they just kind of get it go i mean i think the talent i think even when they're slowing their talent eventually overwhelms teams you know that, that's kind of what happened versus georgia so the, the talent and the speed everything just kind of overwhelms you once you get out of your scripted plays you know even against florida they settled into the game um yeah, but I think it'd be nice to see him go down and get that first drive and, you know, let the defense, you know, play a little, um, not have to play as tight the first couple quarters. Um, you know, I think it'll lend to some more turnovers. Than, um, but I do want to comment back. I did miss the part where we're talking about TJ Young, TJ Young here. Yeah, man. And, and you'd also, I'll, I'll join Wester in this. You know, it's, it, I heard murmurs coming out of camp in the spring. Who's the emerger? And his name just kept coming up. And he was already, he was comforted, you would say, honorable mention. So it's not like he's, you know, in 2020, it's not like he's completely come out of nowhere. And 
I just knew it. And that's why I really pounded the table in the off season. I think we got, in, I think I took to Twitter against every preseason thing that was not projecting him. He, he, he was, he's that player that was, you know, red shirt sophomore coming into a red shirt junior. And, it, you know, it was an honorable mention. He, he was right for all that. Oh, okay. It makes sense. This guy's going to become one of the best players in the conference. Um, and same thing, you know, when we talk to the assistant coaches, during fall camp, every time you bring up LaJonte Wester's name, you could just tell in their voice and their eyes, uh, they, they were not hiding their coach speak very well. They were, they, it was like a kid on Christmas talking about LaJonte Wester. So they, they knew the talent. They saw it every day in practice. No, and you listen again, you make the point about TJ Young and him. It's not like he's coming out of nowhere, as you said. Someone performed well. But I think this is the kind of leap, Shane, that at this level, that's the kind of leap that as fans of G5 football, we hope players can make, right? We see that, that little bit of, you know, hope, a little bit of, all right, this guy looks like he could turn to somebody. And then here's the thing. If you're FAU or FIU or a uh, UTSA, right. And you get kids from Texas or Florida, you think, all right, the ceiling is there. Like they're just scratching the surface. If you're Southern Miss or Louisiana tech or so on and so forth, there's only a handful of guys every three or four years who really fit that category. The rest of the guys, like I'll throw a name out there, Hayes Maples and uh, Tyler Grubbs, two linebackers from Southern Miss and Tech. They pretty much are who they are. I mean, you know, th- th- there's not a th- there's not a uh, another level they're going to hit. With a guy like TJ Young, as you mentioned, there's a next level that he can get to that makes you think, all right, like if we get that all-conference type player into USA, uh, in terms, instead of a guy who's an honorable mention, it's just that big of a... Uh, of an impact or go ahead, go ahead, Shane, go ahead, Shane. He's a guy that's going to be that you're going to hear his name go in the third round in a couple of years. Boom. See, that's, 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 that's how good he is. And that's, you know, he's going to be, you know, one of those guys that's trapped in conference USA. And, you know, if he was at probably an inch taller, he'd be, you know, one of those, he actually, he'd be playing in the SEC somewhere. So, you know, it's, it's exciting. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, I do – are we talking about next week on this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to jump into next week uh, real quick. I, I just want to uh, quickly uh, – I'll give uh, two quick stories from uh, from my travels that I know, you know, some people were interested Let's in. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. One, uh, Lubbock is – I know Shane said that I wasn't going to take up residence in West Texas. Uh, Lubbock is cool. I mean, it's a cool little, you know, college town, whatever. Like, it's – it's decently sized. I thought it was going to be like Lynchburg where it's a one gate airport and you couldn't get an Uber till, uh, you know, like in the middle of the night, you actually could, uh, I'll be up your alley here, Shane. They say like, Lubbock is the Manhattan of West Texas. So uh, oh, with Shane, Shane and a perfect transition <laughs> to that point, there were girls, Dan, or I shouldn't say girls. There were women. Cause these women were at least like somewhere between the age of 35 and 45 dancing in the parking lot of my Marriott, at 3.30 in the morning when I was in the parking lot to get my Uber for my 5 a.m. flight. Uh, still in full red and black dresses and heels from when they watched the game. So very much the Manhattan of West Texas. Uh, this nice. is my Lubbock. Or, go ahead, Shane. What's up? No, I'm just saying nice. <laughs> this is my <laughs> Lubbock story. Um, my Uber driver back to the airport was a you know nice elderly gentleman who felt the need to say, hey uh, – he just making conversation. I think he meant well, but uh, yeah. It's like, hey, uh, this is something you might find interesting, you know, about Lubbock. Uh, 
we're actually the cotton capital of uh, West Texas over here. All those fields over there to the right, next to the, 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 the airport, those are all cotton fields. I'm sure you'll find that interesting. Why, oh, why, my why, God. Why, why? Why would I find it interesting, sir? <laughs> it's, the man went on a five-minute rant about cotton. Like, I'm, no, nah, I'm just trying to get to this airport and get the hell out of here, to be honest with you. But, yeah, man. Just... Wow. That oh, is... my God. But outside West of that. Tech... <laughs> <laughs> you know, just for a fun thing out there is um, if you Google it, there, there is something called the Lubbock Rash you can get out there. They got their own disease. So um, I, 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 I will have to Google that. I, 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 it's a good thing you didn't reciprocate dancing with those get women in the parking lot. I just was going to say, outside of that, like all jokes aside, I mean, the well, that cotton store is real. It's not a joke. But outside of that, um, <laughs> Lubbock really, really was a, a cool little city. Like it's, it's one of those places that for us who all went to college in bigger cities, like it makes you kind of wish you went to college in a college town where everything kind of revolves around football and all the streets are shut down. So that was cool. Shout out to Lubbock. Uh, definitely much better than I expected. Much better than Lynchburg. I'll tell you that much right now. But I mean, that's probably for a litany of reasons that Texas Tech is different than Liberty University. Uh, my my Vegas story. Uh, probably the dumbest purchase was, you know, cash app in one of those like half dressed Vegas girls who walked the strip. That was a dumb purchase. We did it for my my buddy. For those of listeners who may not know, the reason I was in Vegas was for my friend's wedding, and it, he was getting married. It was his last night out, and two of the you know the girls who parade around and like the flowery outfits and bathing suits and thongs and whatnot, you know, walk up and my boy wanted a picture. So he's, you know, getting his, uh, wait, hang on a second. Uh, she might hear this. Uh, she, he wanted a picture. So, um, he took the picture and I, I tipped one of those, uh, those girls like 50 bucks for a picture. And just, it was a horrendous purchase when I go back and look at my bank statement, but outside wow. of that, you know, just a lot of shots. That, that, that wouldn't even make my top one fifty. <laughs> Uh, again again uh as, Shane, as you uh heard i had to stop myself mid-sentence for uh, for the sake of someone's marriage so that's why i, I, I don't know what i'm gonna say damn walking uh, the vegas strip the night before your wedding that is, is that's playing with fire oh my god did i i would i would be divorced before it happened. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, Hondo, no, no, no way Julie lets you out on the Vegas strip the night for your wedding, right? Well, funny you bring that up because I'm going to Vegas next week for the Dolphins game. So it's <laughs> I, I, I'll try to bring back some stories. Uh, I leave I leave Thursday and I'm there literally all weekend. So it's gonna be a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, the Cosmo, shout out to the Cosmo. A lot of good drinks there at the Cosmo. A lot of uh, friendly bartenders who are willing to uh, give up a few shots when they found out that someone is uh, is is getting married. So uh, love Vegas. Uh, with that, we can uh, transition to next week. Shane, this is one that, you know, I know you've had your eye on. I have had it uh, my eye on as well. Air Force, uh, a similar game like the Georgia Southern game, except Air Force probably, not probably, they are a more talented team. And I think this could be one of the more intriguing games on FAU schedule. What do you have uh, on the Air Force game? Well, I, I want to say Willie Tiger was quick to point out in his press conference today. Someone else asked for like, oh, it's, you know, this being the second triple option team and Willie Tiger cut it off and um, said, no, 
this is the first triple option team we've seen all year. And, and you know, um, a little background, Willie Taggart, uh, in high school, uh, was a well-known option quarterback in Bradenton and actually followed, uh, probably the greatest, um, option quarterback of all time. Now I just had a mind blank and uh, Tommy Frazier, baby, Tommy Frazier. Yep. And went to Nebraska, won the national title. So he, they were actually in high school together. So if anyone knows the option, all right, it's someone who was at Manatee high school <laughs> in the, in the eighties. Okay. Um, and, uh, Taggart's actually joked that we need to go find his tape somewhere. Cause he is the option man. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, this game has just scared me. I, I've been complaining about it for two years. Like this, no one wants it's tough trip. It's the altitude. I, even though FAU's playing it up that, you know, the, the, they're not, let's just put it this way. They're making sure they're hydrated and doing the basic preparations. But I think there's a thing that the altitude is more mental than, uh, you know, physical, uh, I don't know. I've never been that. I've never played football that high above sea level. Uh, so, yeah, you know, there's that element. But you know, th- this is an Air Force team. It's a really good quarterback. They put up over 600 yards of offense on in a shootout loss to Utah State the other night. It's just it, FAU is going to have to score 38 points to win this game and hope they can force a few turnovers and a few stops. And there, there's. I, Tell me if you agree with this, Eric. At home, FAU wins this game. In a neutral site, FAU probably wins this game. In Colorado Springs, they they're kind of they're they fit the seven point dogs. Yeah, no, I would agree, and I don't even know if it's as much as the altitude. Although it will play a factor, I've never played football there, but I have you know been there and just tried to walk around, and it. it it's real. I'll tell you that much right now. Shane, the reason why I think that's fitting is because Air Force is really, really good at home. How much that's because of the altitude, how much of them is this really good football team? To me, it's more of the, you know, the latter because Troy Calhoun's a really good football coach. You go back to it, you look at his record here, 103 and 73. He's had multiple 10 win years, gone to a lot of bowl games. I think it's something like nine or 10 in his, you know, 15 years at Air Force. So, for FAU fans who, you know, may be the, you know, uninitiated or, you know, not familiar with Air Force, don't look at this as just like another, you know, service academy. I mean, Air Force, they've been solid for a very long time. You look at their quarterback play that Shane mentioned as far as Hazik Daniels, a uh, guy's got five rushing touchdowns. I mean, they run that that triple option, as Shane mentioned, to perfection. And I do hope that Willie Taggart gets his, his ears on this and busts Shane's balls because uh, – Willie Tiger was not there in the eighties. Tiger graduated from uh, uh, Brayton in ninety five, but not, yeah, but never said it. Be Tommy Frazier in my head. I, <laughs> yeah. I know. Hopefully, he doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah, couldn't uh, could ignore that one. Uh, Shane, before we transition to FIU, uh, I kind of have my thoughts, but I'm just curious, and I'm putting you on the spot here, so I apologize ahead of time. Three keys to victory for FAU. What do you got? FAU cannot. Not have more than one turnover. I think it's the obvious. Two, they they have to they have to win a few of those fourth downs. Okay, everyone knows that like once triple option teams get on your side of the fifty, anything fourth, anything fourth and like shorter, they're going for it. Um, I, I think I think a good goal. I know this sounds crazy, 
hold Air Force under 300 yards rushing. 275, that means probably wins the game. Also, you know, Air Force is also pretty good at throwing it. Um, but Air Force defense is weak. And I do believe FAU can put up some points against them. Uh, so they're, they're just going to have to. And, you know, they just – I think they have to walk in almost kind of with the attitude, like, we're more talented. Like, just don't forget that. We are better. And don't let all the, you know, this is a service academy in the altitude. We hate this playing this type of offense kind of get to you mentally. And just keep remembering, like, you know, pretty much everyone on FAU's defense would start on Air Force's defense, right? I, I think, is that kind of a fair statement? That, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. And, and, and no shot to Air Force. I mean, they're a talented team, not so much defensively. I mean, they have a great tight end. They have a good quarterback. They're called blazing running backs. So they'll probably all make impacts at FAU if they were there. I think they have to remember that. Like, and I, I think that's kind of the big key. Really quick, what, what I know. No, go, go ahead, go, I'm good, Shane. I'm sorry. What, what, what's your kind of thoughts on it? No, I, I was going to segue right into my big thing. And I just hope that, uh, you know, again, for fans who may not understand, when Shane said hold them to under 300, Shane said that may sound crazy. You got to remember, they averaged 327 on the ground. So if you hold them to under 300 to around that 275 mark, you're getting them, you know, that's a fourth of their rushing attack, quick math here, uh, that you've held them to. So I couldn't agree more with that aspect, Shane. If you get them to 275 or even 250, there's no way Air Force can win. Because you got to remember, fans, you know, listen to this. That's the bulk of their offense. They're not going to just come out here and throw for, yes, they're efficient in passing, but they're not going to just throw for 175 yards, you know. So they're going to need 300 yards rushing. Well, they they are probably way better than average passing triple option. They just have a quarterback who's and a pretty good receiving tight end, and they are working into their offense more and more. The other point that I was going to make, Shane, on this one, and I'll be very intrigued to watch this one, especially since I am not making the trip to uh, to Central Michigan, so I'll have a chance to sit down and watch all the games live this weekend. Air Force, teams who play Air Force over the past three years, they're only averaging something like 9.3 possessions per game. and I, I think it's either 9.3 or 8 point something. Point is, you're not, as Shane said, you're not going to get a lot of possessions. So you cannot take two, three, four possessions to get, you know, seven points. You got to come out and start fast or else you're just going to drain the clock. And you saw what happened. And by no means, I, I don't want to inflame the, uh, you know, Al fans here. By no means am I comparing FAU to Western Kentucky. But you saw what happened when Western Kentucky tried to start slow and, uh, you know, fill things out when they played uh, Army. They, they just didn't have enough possessions to come back and win. So that would be my two cents on that. David, want to transition noon Eastern FIU heads to central Michigan. Um, you know, I was kind of get your thoughts on again, where you think FA, excuse me, where FIU is, there's a dollar in the jar. FIU is in this game and the three things that you're looking for out of this team as they try to pick up a much needed win. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll start with the three things. First thing, are we going to be able to, to set up the run game? We haven't, you know, been able to, you know, really have any get anything really going. Uh, I know Price rushed for a hundred, but that might have been the ugliest hundred yards I've ever seen against Texas State. But if we need to get him going, that's the number one. He, you know, he runs our offense, right? If he, if he, if he's balling, like the offense, you know, we're we're moving, we're killing clock. You know, dominant. We need a dominant possession, and our defense needs to kind of, you know, 
continue where they left off from Texas State, uh, skipping Texas Tech there. But, um, you know, I think this is a a much improved defense. And let's see if they can, you know, stop the run because I know Central Michigan relies heavily on the run. As that's been our problem in the past, let's see if we can correct it. And 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 I personally think being a ten point favorite is pretty disrespectful. Um, I think FIU is going to come out hot. This is a must win. This is a momentum changer. And let's get this W. It's actually going to be nine in the morning for me, but let's get this W. And yo, David, by the way, you think? And by the way, the first thing I'm doing when I land in Vegas is slamming FIU money line. I mean, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you should connect every parlay you have that whole weekend with it. Oh, I mean, I already, I already have a, a twenty dollars parlay. FIU money line, Dolphins money line. Um, you know, I have a few other favorite teams that are that are going to hop on that for fun. Damn, burning money is. is, is uh, I, mean, I don't know. You're talking about. I'm retiring when I when I leave that place. <laughs> Hey, Hondo, really quick. Let me work this in here before I kind of give my things. Uh, we had a friend of a podcast, you know, kind of earn some money based on uh, underdog fantasy. Who was that again? That was JM. Yeah. Uh, Jayhan at Jayhan or no, it's actually at FIU JM. Um, yeah. He, yeah, actually, <laughs> he did pretty big this week on, on underdog. Um, I might need to start, uh, you know, riding his picks on there. Um, but yeah, he, he hit pretty big this week. He hit for like, you know, I, I don't know if I want to say the number, on here, <laughs> just respect his uh, his privacy, but it was a nice number. <laughs> you will respect the man's privacy with that. Uh, listen, I'm going to go ahead and, and give my thoughts here as far as what FI needs to do heading to Central Michigan. One, they are, and first off, in terms of the passing game, are we going to get Shamar Thornton, Shamar Thornton back? That's going to be big because Shamar has missed three games with tonsillitis. That's way longer than I, I ever anticipated him missing. You know, as Butch Davis said, it's a deal where the doctor has to clear him. And I know it's not COVID related because Shamar's been on the field uh, for both home games around the guys. So it ain't COVID related. So it is the tonsillitis, as, as Butch Davis said. We're going to get him back. That bleeds into my point. If Shamar is not there, Hondo, Tyrese Chambers, he's quickly becoming a fan favorite for FIU fans. He's fifth in Conference USA in yards per catch, averaging 24, 24.1 yards per catch. Listen, every time the ball goes his way, or seemingly every time the ball goes his way, he's done a great job. For a guy who's only about 6'1 or so, he's done a great job winning those 50-50 balls, or he draws a pass interference. And when I asked Max Bordenschlager about that, he said that that's been in the game plan. They, Andrew Briner feels that you know the guys on the outside are explosive enough to where if they give him the 50-50 balls, they either draw a pass interference or come down with the ball. If Shamar's not there, I think Tyrese Chambers needs to get 10 targets because – if you look at it, you know, out of those 10 targets, he's usually hauling in five and getting a pass interference on one or the other. Defensively, everything has to stay the same against a Central Michigan team that can run the football. Davon Strickland and the rest of the guys up front who have been playing fairly well against the run. No, let's excuse uh, – uh, yes, David? No, I was going to say especially Strickland. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's actually played really well. Like this yeah. year. Like, especially that Texas, Texas State game, it was – my my MVPs of the game were him and Richard Dames, but he's been he's been playing really well this season. Exactly. So Davon Strickland, you know, and those guys can have a uh, do a good job up front. And I got to give a shout out to the linebackers. Daniel Jackson had two sacks against Texas State. Uh, Jamal Gates has played solid, and as I mentioned earlier, Pierce Withers has done a really nice job in the star role, coming up and playing well in run support. So they're going to need that. And last but not least, I don't want to say the clock is ticking on Max Bortenschlager, but 
He's going to need a bounce back performance, especially not even the Texas Tech game as much as the Texas State game. And it's funny because when you look at Max's numbers, he's got he's two for one TD to INT, six touchdowns to three interceptions. But clearly, you know, the, the bulk of, uh, of those numbers came against Long Island and he's left some plays on the field. So I want to see Max bounce back. And if he can put together a nice game here against Central Michigan, then you'd feel more confident going against a FAU defense that, you know, that is a, a very, very stout defense. I, I have no issue saying that. They're a top three defense, maybe the best defense in all of CUSA, but let's not get a week ahead of ourselves. So I want to see Max Bornschlager, you know, come out and really have a solid performance uh, against, again, you know, Texas State's the one you would have liked to have seen him play better, but let's see what he can do against Central Michigan. Um, Shane, just want to ask you this really quickly before we wrap this one up. If FIU doesn't win this game, and I'm sure you feel pretty confident even if they do, but if FIU doesn't win this game and they're coming to the Shula Bowl, are you just at the point where you're borderline UCF USF with this rivalry? Yeah. Come on. Br- bring some excitement to the Shula Bowl, guys. Please. I- I'm rooting for FIU this weekend. I'm rooting for FIU this weekend. Two and two sounds decent. Sounds about on path going into the Shula Bowl because as I look up some numbers right here, um, FAU could be two and two heading into this game too. Two very different two and twos. Sure. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, on the road in Gainesville and in Colorado Springs, where I realized in the last 10 years, uh, um, uh, Air Force has lost four out of conference games at home in the last 10 years. Um, and one was to Notre Dame and, TCU. The other two were the other two service academies. So that, that was a very depressing stat. Uh, yeah. So it, it, please, it would be nice. We've talked about it on this pod a hundred times. The Shula Bowl has missed big games. It's, it's not it, do it. FIU price go off. Let's do it. I, I'm, I'm hyped. And, and just uh, also, I did want to mention, I, I did want to also piggyback off your shout out uh, to Tyrese Chambers, who's been absolutely balling. Um, you know, he only had two catches last game. But but still, I mean, you can you can tell he he he's he's Max's favorite guy. Hopefully, he can get Max going. Um, you know, get a nice groove on in this game, and let's get a dub. All right, but with that, we want to thank you guys for checking out another episode of the Shula Bowl Podcast. As always, you can find us at Shula Bowl Pod on Twitter. You can find David on Twitter at Mister Handel three two one. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane, and of course. Owls247, your things for all FAU football coverage. Check out the great work that he and Kevin Fielder are doing. Last but not least, guys, uh, a week from this podcast, we will be prepping for our Shula Bowl week. Listeners, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to be somewhere pre-gaming for this game. You know, We're probably going to do a remote. We're going to try to t- do something live the day of the Shula Bowl with myself, Shane, and David. It is always an event where you can get the three of us at the same location at the same time. Hopefully both teams are coming into this uh, FIU at two and two and FAU at three and one with a little bit of excitement coming to the Shula bowl. There we go. So we will uh, catch you next week. Happy football, everyone. Happy football watching, excuse me, everybody and stay safe.